Amen. Well, what is the meaning of Christmas? Christmas is Jesus' birthday, but why is it so much better than the birthday of George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or Martin Luther King or some other great person? Well, today I want to share with you about the meaning of Christmas. And I know there are a lot of distractions in your mind right now, right? Some of you are wondering, oh, how am I going to feed all these people? Is the, the ham burning or whatever? And some of you are wondering, how am I going to keep these 48 kids that we just had up here uh, quiet for another bit? So I'm going to be brief, and I'm going to give you one verse. We'll look at a couple, one before it and one after it, but primarily one verse of Scripture that I hope you'll take with you that will ring in your ears this Christmas day that encapsulates the meaning of Christmas. That verse is 1 John chapter 4, verse 14. It says, And we have seen and testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. There's the meaning of Christmas. Now let's break it down. Three phrases, and let's uh, look at them. The first phrase is, and we have seen and testify. So, the Bible tells us that this story is true. It is eyewitness testimony that is reliable and verifiable. We have seen. He's wanting you to know, as John writes this, I'm an eyewitness of these things. I've heard from the, the parents of Jesus. I, this is reliable information. Uh, you see, we don't believe this is just a fairy tale. I know it has some elements that sound like fairy tale, moving stars, angels speaking to people, a lot of animals in it. It has some elements that seem like fairy tale. We believe this is truth. And, and some of you may be here today with family, and you're here with your family, but you don't really believe this story. You really believe it's a myth or, or whatever. And, and, and I'm glad you're here, so glad you've come with family today. But I want to encourage you to really examine the evidence because we believe this is true. This is the truth. And I believe it'll stand up to scrutiny. And so I want to in, in, invite you, if you're here today and you, you just think it may be a, a fairy tale, uh, to hear this first line, we've seen and testify. And I want to encourage you to examine the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus and the reliability of the Gospels that tell the Christmas story, because I believe it, it'll stand up to honest inquiry. This is not a fairy tale. There's evidence for believing this. Now, you see that verse starts with the word and, so let's look bef back before it just a moment at another piece of evidence that this is true. In verse 13, says this, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. So this verse, the verse before, talks about the internal evidence that this story of Jesus is true. And then verse 14, about the external evidence. There are two witnesses I'm saying to you that will show you, if you'll honestly be a seeker of truth, there are two lines of evidence that will help convince you that this is real. The Holy Spirit will speak to your heart and verify that. And then there is objective testimony that's given that you can research. So it's subjective and objective, internal and external. There are two lines of evidence that this stuff is true. So that's the first thing that I want to encourage you. If, you, if, you don't, if you're not a believer, if you're a skeptic, would you, open, would you honestly seek for truth? And if you'll honestly seek for truth, I think the Spirit will bear witness in your heart, and you can objectively look at 
rationally the testimony it'll stand up to evidence. Second line, go back to verse 14, our primary verse, that we have seen and testify that the Father sent his Son. So here's the heart of the verse. Here's the heart of the meaning of Christmas. What does Christmas mean? The Father has sent his Son. So right away, we've got the Trinity here. Christmas is very Trinitarian. Spirit was the last word of verse 13, right? And then the first words of verse 14 are the Father and the Son. The God is three in one. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the, God is community. He's relational. That's why he wants you. He's a relational God, and he wants to be your Father. He is the Father, and he's a relational God. And then he is the Son Now, there's a sense in which when you believe in him, you become a son or daughter of God, but not like this son. In verse 9, he's called the one and only son, 1 John 4, 9. So he's a unique son of God. Nobody's a son of God like Jesus is the son of God. So here's what happened at Christmas. The Father sent the Son. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had existed forever and ever, for all eternity. They made all of this universe, but then there came a time when it blows your mind. Christmas just blows your mind. When the Father sent the Son, the word is apostello, apostle, this is the first mission trip. We'll send people on mission trips this year. The first Christian mission trip was when the Father sent the Son. And so, uh, now try to figure this out. There's one God, right? And yet God is in heaven now, the Father, and now God is on earth in the Son, You can spend the rest of the day trying to work that out in your mind. But God's bigger than us. But there's one God, but the Father sent the Son. And and He sent Him to come into this creation. Imagine Jesus, the Son, who is aware of everything, limits now His awareness to the awareness of a fetus in a womb. Incredible. Here's, Here's how I try to think of it. You ever seen ladybugs in the winter fill up a window or they get in a warm place or whatever? What if there was a bunch of ladybugs in a window and they were going to be exterminated? And I said, I'd love to warn those ladybugs and tell them if they'll move, they won't die. They're in a spot where they're going to die. And I'd love to warn those ladybugs. How could I do that? How do you talk to a ladybug? What if I could become a ladybug? And so if I become a ladybug, I would, I guess, share ladybug language and could talk to a ladybug and then could could warn them of impending danger and point them towards safety. That's what Christmas is. Bigger than that because there is more difference between me and Jesus than me and a ladybug. I share more in common with a ladybug than I share by nature in common with Jesus. He is the creator. Both ladybugs and I are created beings. Bigger than that, but that's about the best I've got to tell you about it. The Father sent the Son. And here's the kicker that you may not have thought about. When Jesus took on human flesh... He keeps it throughout all eternity. He becomes incarnate. He's glorified body, but he's, he's going to be visible in heaven in his body. He's the incarnate one forever. What if you had to, became a ladybug and you had to stay a ladybug forever? That's how much he's loved you. 
Keeps his, he's still divine, but now he also has that human nature. I'm telling you, Christmas will blow your mind. We have seen and testified that the Father sent the Son. Why? What's the purpose of these big miracles? The final phrase tells the reason. And we have seen and testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. There's the purpose. You see, our world is broken Could we not all agree on that? If you're an atheist here today, couldn't you agree with me that some things are not right in our world? When somebody drives a truck into Christmas celebration in in a city and kills a bunch of people, couldn't you not agree with me that something's out of whack in our world? When, when When somebody assassinates a Russian diplomat on live television last week while he's giving a speech, could you not agree with me that our world is broken in some way? And so the purpose of God is that sending His Son is to fix this mess. He's come to rescue us, to fix our world that we could all agree is in some way broken. And He's going to redeem that. That's why in Christmas promises, there are, in Christmas passages, there are promises that go far beyond Christmas because Christmas is the beginning. And it's not all fixed yet, but the fix has come, the fix has started. And that's why, like in Isaiah 11, that is a prophecy of Christmas. It says a root will come up from Jesse. It's talking about the king of David will come. And then it says stuff like this. It says, and the lion will live with the, with the calf. And the, the leopard will lie down with a goat. And a little child will lead them. And, and an infant will play near a cobra's den and a young child put his hand in a viper's nest and they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as water covers the sea. So Christmas has this promise of it. It's going to be fixed. Do you see we need a Savior? Let me, let me try to say it a different way. All of us would like a perfect Christmas, don't we? Some of you really work hard. You fix all the food and you, and, and you have the right presents and you want everybody to be happy and, and everything to be great at Christmas. Don't you have some of those feelings? Oh, I just want it to go, go well and everything good. And We want it to be really like a Lexus commercial. You know, have you seen those <laughs> Lexus commercials? Uh, this, a season to remember. Uh, December to remember, and they've done these for several years now. Where, where they, but now this year they've upped the ante, and in this year's Lexus commercial, they're asking not only for a Lexus, but a puppy too. Do you see the puppy near the real wheel? Have you noticed that in the commercial? So it's getting an even more perfect world here. In a Lexus commercial, that's what we want it to be like. That nice house and that well-dressed family and that car. And no snow even falls on the car. It falls on the bushes and the roof, but it doesn't even fall on the car. You don't even have to scrape the windshield on Christmas morning. It's just a perfect world. And then you go out in the driveway, and there's a new car with a bow, and there's a puppy beside it. And that's what we want, isn't it? And and we get all stressed out. And then here's what Christmas turns out like instead of a Lexus commercial. It turns out to look like this. It turns out instead to be a Griswold Christmas where Uncle Lewis sets a Christmas tree on fire. and, And it just, you know. 
And, and you know, somebody always throws up on Christmas, you know, and right, something burns on Christmas, and so, something, you get this toy, and it doesn't work, and they make that cheap stuff, and I spent all this money, and it, you know, it, it, something like that happens. You know why? Our world's broken. Our world is broken. And, and so just sort of unstress and enjoy it. It's always going to be something not perfect because our world is like that. But what that points to is we need a Savior. And the meaning of Christmas is God says, I'm coming to fix that. And the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Now, the kicker is we want the world fixed without us being fixed. And the world's never going to be fixed till we're fixed because we're part of the problem. And so the next verse, after verse 14, says, verse 15, if anyone confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. That's what these folks did in baptism. They confessed this morning. Did you hear them? Confess that Jesus is Lord? Now, just saying the words doesn't make it true. Confess means that you believe it's something you believe in your heart. A confession is the overflow of the heart speaking from the mouth. So we don't see their heart, but we hear their confession. And if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. That's what this says. So he's come to be the Savior of the world. He's working on the world. He can handle that. But he's starting with you. He's building a kingdom of people whose transformed lives will be a preview of the time when the lion lies down with the lamb. And he's doing it through the lives of individuals. He's setting up this kingdom of those who will confess that Jesus is the Son of God. And when that happens, God lives in us. And you live in God. Whatever's going on in your life today, if you'll confess or if you have confessed, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, Lord of your life. God lives in you, and you live in God, and you live in that life now. And you can make it through the Griswold moments of your life. And you can live with joy even in a less than perfect world. Because God has started to redeem us on the inside, and one day He'll complete that redemption when the little child will play by the cobra's den and they'll neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. And until then, we look ahead with hope and we live with the joy and the peace that he gives to us. We're going to have a time of commitment and I'm going to invite